Today, a story will be shared about Alina Muravitskaya, a native of Belarus, who relocated to France and then to the United Kingdom during the difficult circumstances of the COVID pandemic to work as postdoctoral researcher. I know her from Poseidon Project, where she was involved as a postdoctoral fellow with the University of Hull. I couldn't help but admire her boldness and assurance amongst her male co-workers. As I listened to her story, I discovered the source of her confidence and ease. First of all, thank you for the invitation to join this podcast, Jana. Thank you a lot. My name is Alina Moravitska. I am a postdoctoral researcher in the University of Hull, working in a project of uh, Poseidon. So it's working on light emitting technologies and its development in nowadays life. You already mentioned our project, Poseidon. Can you elaborate on that and tell us what is your role? I'm uh, working on the characterization and development of uh, new, like, let's say, my stage is the samples and uh, trying to investigate their properties and the optimal conditions for the light emitting devices that we are going to develop. So it's experimental and both simulational work and then uh, writing of the articles and uh, conference presentations. You mentioned that characterizations and a lot of measurements, so we can imagine you working in the lab. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, I think big part of my job is actually experimental work with the uh, optical setups mainly. So as we are doing the uh, characterization, we use the dark field microscopy, photoluminescence, uh, spectroscopy and uh, different types of this kind of characterization. A lot of measurements requires a lot of time. It can also go beyond the working hours, we can say, or even during the nighttime. Is that right? First of all, I'm really enjoying the work. And if it's work, it's okay to stay extra hours to see how it's developing. Or if you're writing a paper, you really can be so excited and involved that you really extra time on that but I'm saving a time for my hobbies or my family and really trying to keep the balance because it's it's not every day that I need to stay extra time. In overall what makes you passionate about your field of research and if you can also tell us about this field of research a bit more. Currently I'm working in the field of research of nanophotonics so it's a study not ways how we can control the light in the nanoscale and uh, use it actually for some different applications in biology, for example, or in case of the Poseidon project, it's, uh, we can say, in the light emitting industry or in some other different applications. I really inspired with the kind of uh, structures itself because it's usually some kind of uh, nano devices or nano structures or nano quantum dots or something which as a very fascinating physics for me. And uh, because of my uh, general education in physics, I kind of enjoying the idea that I'm working in some quantum regime or very interesting optic regime. And uh, let's say I'm fascinated by the idea itself, but also I like to see how the findings that you just saw in experiments or in samples, then after like hard work, like you, you can find something new. You can find some new effects. It's it's mostly about chemistry, physics, also mathematics. These are not very popular 
subjects at school, I would say. How come that you were fascinated about these subjects? From childhood, I was really interested in mathematics. And then after, like, of course, it's going to the other natural scientists like physics, chemistry, biology. And in the end, I, I decided to focus on physics because it seemed for me the most, let's say, complicated. Alena's determination and clear direction for growth were evident in her explanation of how her PhD studies in Belarus shaped her. Previously in uh, Belarus, where I was uh, working before, I think both uh, PhD students and uh, students who defended the thesis, they were regarded like uh, researchers uh, for the group. So they, like, in, in the same time you were working on thesis and working on your, let's say, personal project on this direction, you were also needed to contribute to the laboratory uh, research projects and, con like, to the sometimes project writing, project uh, managing, and um, uh, let's say group meetings and doing big part of the work, which is uh, in a lot of Western countries, I see that it's considered for only for the senior staff, let's say. So I think in this way, we were taught this kind of level of autonomy or let's say self-guidance from the start. So it actually was something that I get from the first or second year of the PhD that you need to like look for the ideas, look for the research ideas to write the, your own projects, for example, or your own paper, looking for the internships. So it's kind of your job already. And in this way, I think in, uh, well, let's say, structure in Western, let's say, model, Usually PhD students are really concentrated in their project only and sometimes they kind of do not feel how to you can grow from PhD students to assistant professors when you're required to find the funding or to find some collaborators or to find this kind of more difficult, uh, let's say, tasks, more administrative tasks, tasks sometimes. And uh, in this way, I'm kind of motivated to to have this uh, level of, of autonomy that I actually experienced before and uh, have my own research uh, project and research um, way, let's say, in future. I remember you from a couple of project meetings that we had. You were very inspiring to me how confident you were in a male domain project. Have you ever noticed that women are not sufficiently represented in science or around you? Yeah, it's kind of, it's something that you just not notice and then you just cannot stop see it everywhere. And especially in this kind of our group meetings or sometimes in the senior professorship meetings, you always see that it's a really num limited number of women there. So if in everyday life in laboratory, you will meet a lot of PhD students or bachelor students, and sometimes it's reaching 50% of the like students at all. Like higher you go, less people you will meet. And it's mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, it was very apparent for me for like when I moved also, because previously I was not that focused on this. I think mainly because in my previous lab, we, I think we have like a 50-50 percentage. I hear from some people that it's nowadays it's for women it's much easier to get the position 
competition or to do to do something, get the fellowships than for the men. men. And it's kind of the opinion that I heard multiple times from different people. Usually it's men. And I think it's really, if you begin to discuss with them, you will find out that it's not the case. Maybe we have some, let's say, movement or some changes. But anyway, for the professors, it's still very challenging. And we can see this obviously because of the distribution. It's still like uh, less than... 30% for most of the places that I saw. And it's sometimes one or two women for the whole department. And in a way, sometimes these women are involved in the different committees or kind of obliged to have some representation. And so for two of them can be the same workload for the, then for the 15 male. <laughs> so it's kind of weird uh, situation. Is it important for you that we should call for the equal representations and we should aim for the gender equality? Definitely we should aim for the gender equality, but it's a very hard question how to actually make it. As I mentioned, uh, sometimes in some committees or like even departments, we can demand that it should be 50%, but where we will take these women, where they come from, if they will be there available, I think they will be there already. Uh, so it's uh, it's a general uh, like structural question of the science nowadays that uh, a lot of women just don't go to this point when they can reach the these positions or these, let's say, places. And of course, uh, like different factors of discrimination and even some, let's say, how the society works in a way. So it's it's very hard to make it in a natural way, not just push some people from like outside, let's say, because we just need 50%. It, it will just not work that way. I saw some career surveys that repeatedly point to mental health problems faced by graduate students, but also postdoctoral researchers and any any others in higher position. So it might feel that science is hyper competitive environment a little bit, whether it's published or peerish culture and a lack of job security can also like trickle the anxiety and depressions among early career researchers. Were you also having these triggers or how do you cope with such little pressure, you know, to win the grants, publish the profile journeys or maintain your reputation? This career, you have really a lot of different activities like you should be simultaneously an administrative, like doing some administration work, teaching, like work with students and at the same time work in experiments and theory reading and then sometimes presenting, which is uh, also can be stressful and uh, writing the uh, grants in collaboration with people, which you should interact with uh, like some different ways. So it's a big workload and it's very different and you need really to be kind of skilled in different parts. So it's a hard and I think the main the way to struggle with that is to have uh, a good support system and kind of understand what is the most important for you at the moment and what is needed to be done and what can be kind of 
you can feel okay. And I think in a way during my PhD, I kind of taught myself like how to make the priorities and understand what is the kind of as a main for me, like what I need to do to reach this target, to publish a paper or something and to save some balance in this. And I often can see like my colleagues and the PhD students, especially which are in the first to second year that are really, they are really stressed with the kind of the experiments because they don't kind of understand fully what they, they are doing, what I kind of, how the result will look like. They just know that they need to do some, let's say, experiments, set up the experiments, but they don't know what will should be the result or how to proceed. So they kind of always seek for the next steps directly set by their supervisors or uh, somebody. And in a way, it's sometimes very stressful situation because, of course, it's hard to choose yourself and hard to begin to understand yourself what is a next text. But it's a crucial sometimes for the students because if you don't understand what is the next, you really begin to get really depressed or stressed or really very focused on some tiny parts which sometimes don't, do not make any sense to do. Also, the big point is the job insecurity or this idea that before the uh, permanent job in academia, often people need to travel between the different countries or universities, trying to set up the each time you need to have like a new laboratory, new people to work with, or like new projects. Sometimes topic can be super different and you need to spend some time into the investigation. What is the topic? What is the state of the art? And of course, it's challenging. Maybe if, if you do it like one or two times, it's a nice adventure and you will kind of have a good experience. But uh, a lot of people do it it's for years, like five, six postdocs in different places. And it's, it's of course, very hard for the family and for making the, any like a stable relationships, to find friends or partner or your family can be also like, kind of very far apart you will not see them for years so it's, uh, it's a big challenge what are still the misconceptions that you have of the science it's a very complex job in, in terms of roles and responsibilities from the public point of view I think it's a really huge misconception especially how the science work it's like funding and all this uh, like grants, which are always targeted to something really applicable and really like down to earth. And I, I can find like multiple applications of scientific like a breakthrough, which directly we use uh, in everyday life and everywhere. But for some reason, a lot of people think that it's some technology doing some other part, which is effective and nice. And scientists are kind of aside doing something else and it was a big surprise for me to hear this kind of opinion it's not a misconception that only public have but also sometimes uh, governmental let's say authorities because we can see that the funding for scientists or like researchers and professors they are kind of cut in different areas all the time maybe not each year but generally it's it's uh, 
number of jobs available in this area is always limited and even start to get more limited with time. What was the skill that you kind of learned on the way that you were not so familiar, but you mastered it and now you actually found it that it's actually one of your strengths or something that you enjoy and you you didn't know about that? Apart from the experimental part, which was new for me and I studied like the setup and everything and making the results. I think the working with the students, guiding them many ways in University of Hall, I bought my first lecture and like my first teaching classes and so on. So it, it was a very good experience and I really kind of liked how it was organized. And for me, it was very, very interesting. Alina, the last question that I have for you is when you close your eyes, how do you imagine scientists? person which is very enthusiastic, has a lot of ideas and broad vision of the world, how it uh, can be changed and how it can be done exactly using the current science and technology. What are the ways to do it uh, using the tools that we already have? Alina, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the invitation. Alina brought quite strong messages, for example, on mental health. If you feel that it's worth sharing with your friends, feel free to do so by like and subscribe. Thank you.